Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, all of you watching online. What a great day. If you would, stand with me, all of you that are new to this. We do what we call a Bible confession. Uh, we want to open our minds and our hearts to the Word of God because it lasts forever and it changes everything. So if you hold your hand up, if you're new to this, just sit there or do whatever you got to do, but this is what we do. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We are thrilled that you're here, and this is all about Jesus. And how many of you know that the resurrection uh, is not only about what happened thousands of years ago when Christ came out of the tomb, but it's, it's about us now having the same spirit in us that raised him from the dead. And the Bible says if we have that spirit, the Holy Spirit, he will quicken our mortal bodies. How many of you know we need help with that? There's a mother who had two sons. And how many of you know that raising boys is a whole lot different than raising girls? I'm not sure which is better or worse, but it's radically different. And so Ronnie and Johnny were twins, and they always kind of had... Uh, butted heads, and they were getting old enough now for the mother to start teaching them and training them. And, and uh, so every morning when she would cook breakfast, there would be an argument. And finally, she just had to address it because they were arguing who, who got what first. And, and so uh, she looked at Ronnie and Johnny and said, you know, boys, it's time for you to learn how to respond like a Christian. And uh, you fight every day over who's going to get what and who's going to get first. And and she said, so I want, I want you today to act like Jesus. And so uh, Ronnie looked at Johnny, and, and he's fighting for the meal. And he said, today, you get to be Jesus. I get first. And most of us fight over things like that it, because we, we, we're so human and we're so in the flesh that what we have to realize is the crucified life of Christ is the life we're called to live. And so today, I'm going to take us on a journey down the road or down the pathway of what it looks like to live that resurrected life. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you don't have one, it should be up on the screen. This is out of the Amplified Bible. It says, now, let me remind you, since it seems to have escaped you, brethren of the gospel, the glad tidings of salvation, which I proclaim to you, which you welcomed and accepted upon which your faith rests and by which you were saved. If you hold fast and keep firmly what I preached to you, unless you believed at first without effect and all for nothing. For I passed on to you, first of all, what I also received, that Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for our sins in accordance with what the Scriptures foretold, that He was buried, that He arose on the third day, third day as the Scriptures foretold. The resurrection of Jesus is not something that's regularly debated. As a matter of fact, churches throughout the country and around the world can most 
all of us, most of all, agree that Christ was crucified. It was Good Friday for us. It was a tough Friday for him. But we would all agree on that. The challenge isn't whether Jesus was the Messiah. Oftentimes, that's not the argument, that he was the Christ, that he came to take the sins of all mankind and to give us a hope of heaven. Those are not the great arguments. The argument now is, what does the resurrection mean for you and me? Not what does it mean for eternity, but what does it mean today for us? I've always been the kind of guy that really wanted to make today count and live a life that's full of abundance and love and joy and peace. And I think most people are looking for that. The challenge is that our flesh oftentimes contradicts what the Bible says and the Holy Spirit says. And that that's a battle to crucify our flesh, to put our flesh down, to give way to others, to be sensitive to where others are and where others live. There's no one here and no one watching online today that has lived a perfect life or will ever live a perfect life. That many times we fail. And failing is not something that we will ever overcome. The challenge is that just because we fail doesn't make us a failure. What makes us failures is when we refuse to get up or allow Christ to resurrect our destiny and our call, if you will. So it's very, very important that we understand that each one of us, though we come together collectively and corporately, we all have an individual relationship with God when we get saved. We have individual decisions that we have to make. And those decisions are often influenced by the world around us, the culture around us, and the people around us. As Susan and I were driving to church today, I said, you know, it really saddens me that as I look at the world today, uh, there's been a, an apparent fading, not a doing away with, but a fading of what Easter really is all about. And I think the reason is, is many people have gone to church their whole lives. They've heard the Easter story uh, numerous times. And so today, I want to take the Easter story and put a contemporary twist on it, if you will, and look at Christ's life and how it parallels with our life today in that Christ, even though he was the Son of God, was highly criticized for breaking religious tradition. How many of you know that? You know, you think about the woman caught in the act of adultery. Uh, the Bible in the Old Testament said she should be stoned. But, uh, you know, and I, I said this a few weeks ago. It was like these, these religious people found her and uh, here bring her to Christ. And they demand that he stone her. Well, Christ, being who he was and seeing the hearts of all people, looked at them. And you remember the story, let he who is without sin... Cast the first stone. Well, that was not a popular decision. As a matter of fact, it was highly criticized. And that day, Jesus broke religious tradition. Many times in our lives today, we have similar encounters. We have people in our lives, in our worlds, that, that we want changed. And there's nothing like a mother's heart to see a child live for God. And, and when they don't, oftentimes, uh, as parents, we begin twisting their arms instead of presenting the love of Christ to them. And Jesus said, I'm not going to be critical of those who sin. I'm going to be loving, and I'm going to believe in them. And he looked at her and says, now go and sin no more, knowing that it would be impossible for her to not sin, but that he would at least admonish and encourage her to go and fight the good fight, as Paul said he did. 
And so we look at him healing on the Sabbath. Well, tradition and religion said, Sabbath, you didn't even do anything. You didn't walk. You didn't lift a button. I mean, the Sabbath by the Jewish people was taken very seriously. And yet Jesus healed on the Sabbath knowing that he would be criticized. He could have easily said, look, I'll come back tomorrow. I'm going to honor religion. I'm going to honor tradition. But the traditions of men nullify the word of God. And so we don't live under that religious umbrella any longer. There's not a day that is more sacred than another day. We just happen to meet on Sunday. But every day is the same. But it doesn't have to be the same in your life if you choose to follow God. And Jesus was criticized for healing on the Sabbath. Now, can you imagine how religious somebody would be when they look and they see somebody get healed and then they start criticizing Jesus for healing him on a certain day? I'm going to tell you, it wouldn't have been pretty if I'd have been the one being healed. I'd have jumped up and said, oh, you hypocrites. You weren't the ones that needed healed. I was. You ought to be happy for me. You ought to be glad that God is still a God of miracles. You see, we live in a day where many, even Pentecostal, charismatic churches have have wavered a bit on miracles. I got to tell you, if you need a miracle today, you look at God all differently than you've ever looked at him. I talk to people all the time. Many people say, well, you know, God used to do miracles. It was a dispensation. It was a season. You know what? We don't serve a season of miracles. We serve a God of miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as a a preacher, not just a preacher, but as a Christian, I've always wanted to encourage people because here's the reality. As we grow older, our bodies grow older. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you, gravity is not our friend when you get over 50. (laughs) I'm telling you, most of us get that chest of drawers disease where your chest falls into your drawers. And so... (laughs) And so we have to realize God is a God of miracles today. And the only people who don't believe in miracles and argue against them, I say, you know what? You might want to get on my side because someday you're going to need a miracle. And why do we treat Jesus that way? He said, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, that same spirit will quicken our mortal bodies. I don't know about you, but if I need healed, I don't really care how somebody does it. You know, I look at the Bible, I look at the New Testament, and I think Jesus was, I think Jesus was, let me say this carefully, spiritually a little ornery. Why would you say that? Well, there's a blind guy that comes to him, and, and rather than just looking at him and saying, receive your sight. Can you imagine that holy voice, receive your sight? No, no, no. Jesus hawks up some spit. That's some translation, I'm sure. And he puts it in dirt, which how many of you know it becomes mud? And rather than just telling this guy, receive your sight, Jesus packs his eyes with like spittle mud. I mean, he could at least turn the hose on. And the reason this generation right now, the the younger generation, is is so sickly is because they didn't eat grass and drink out of a garden hose. We didn't know what a water purifier was, man. We drank out of horse troughs. 
That's the reason that's old people. We're going to live so long. But Jesus was unorthodox. How bad? How passionate are you to have all that God wants you to have? I'm telling you, that blind man didn't care. He said, you can spit. You can do whatever you want. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus touched lepers when they weren't even allowed to get close to people. Jesus broke all the rules to break the chains off of those who were ruled by those chains. So to me, Easter is more than just a great story. It's a life lesson that Jesus showed us regardless of what people are going to say about you and your faith. Don't let criticism take you off road. Don't let what other people think or say about your faith keep you silent about your faith. There are people waiting for you. You say, but you know, I, I'm just one person in this huge world. But to somebody, you may be that one person that changes their life forever. To that one person, you are their world. You never know what one invitation to know Jesus will do in someone's life. Can you imagine the guy that led Billy Graham to Jesus Christ? Who would have thought that one little person like Billy would grow up to be a voice to the nations and presidents? I wonder if he was ever tempted to be egotistical. I led him to Jesus. I don't think so. I think that he saw the miracle of new life. It's a miracle that these people were baptized today. It's a miracle. They're saved. They're going to heaven. They have a new life. They have new strength. They have new power. Second thing we have to, to do on this journey is not just address the criticism or overcome the criticism, but conditions. The conditions in this world. Right now, after... You know, realize it's, it's, just, it's been two years since we had an Easter service, so let me just go ahead and wish you a happy Easter and Merry Christmas. Because I won't see some of you until then. And let me just be a pastor a moment. I'm, I'm older now. I'll never be old, but I will always be older. But let me say this to you. I've been very sensitive throughout the last year, thinking this, and I've never in my life missed an Easter since I've been born again. And, and we missed last year. We all gathered online and did all that. And, you know, I, I, I hate what's happened to so many people as a result of, of COVID-19. But, you know, we didn't have one case of flu this winter. It's just a thought. The conditions for the last year have not been favorable for, for, for people's employment, for people's health. The, the conditions have not been great. And many people have allowed the conditions of our society to depress them. It's been a tough year. It's been the toughest year of my ministry life, fighting through the conditions that we had to face, the, the people who were angry that wore masks and the people who didn't, the people who social distanced and the people who didn't. Everything about Satan and hell is to divide the body of Christ. 
And so he uses different things to divide us. Here's the thing. I don't care whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. You want to stay six feet from me and fist bump me in the air. That's fine. But let's not get mean. The conditions created by the pandemic penetrated the heart and soul of many people who became angry and mean and hateful. Instead of praying for one another and believing God for miracles. I was so frustrated. I, 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 just, I, I struggled for the whole year of going, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't, I, there was no class in, in my bachelor's degree or master's degree that, that said, when a pandemic strikes, here are the six things you do. Nobody knew. Nobody expected it. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you lost homes. Some of you have been evicted, though that was not supposed to happen. But the day will come when there's going to be a calling on people whose mortgages were delayed, and you're fearful of that, and you're dreadful of that. Let me say this to you. If one home doesn't work for you, God's got a better one for you. If you get kicked out of one, God's saving you another place. You've got to address the conditions. In Mark chapter 2, there's a story of a paralytic, or they call it in the message Bible, Bible paraplegic, that he couldn't walk, and he had four friends, and evidently he was so desperate to get on his feet that he convinced four of his friends to carry him on a mat. They had heard about Jesus and they went to find him. And in Mark chapter 2 says, when they got there, the conditions were not favorable. They couldn't even get to the door, much less through the door, much less to Jesus. So the man laying on the mat had the four friends and they didn't go and, and say, well, you know, I guess, I guess we tried. We did the best we could. That's what you hear a lot of people. We, we did the best we could. How passionate are you to get near Jesus? How much do you believe that if you can get to him, like the woman with the issue of blood, like the paraplegic, if I can just get to Jesus, I'm going to change the conditions. Some of your family's lost. You're, you're divided. You haven't talked in years. There's anger. There's hatred. And you've just given hope, the con- up hope. The conditions look horrible. Nobody's talking to anybody. Nobody's reaching out to anybody. Let me say this today. You be the condition changer. Don't just sit there and do nothing. You go after it. You go after it with everything you've got. You'll either be a thermostat or a thermometer. Some of you will read the temperature and some of you will change the temperature. Jesus didn't come to earth and look and go, Wow, Father, this is more jacked up than we thought it was. Jesus said the conditions of the world are not favorable to what I'm about to do. You see, the Jewish people were believing for a Messiah. But their expectation of a Messiah was that he would work within their conditions and they, he would do what they wanted him to do. And that was this. They expected, if it was Jesus, they expected him to overturn the Roman Empire. You see, they were oppressed. They've been oppressed in Egypt. New Testament, they're oppressed by the Roman Empire. And for thousands of years, the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah. That's why in the Bible, you'll see the Jewish people calling him. And again, I'm not criticizing the Jewish people. It's just what they were looking for. They had an expectation, and God had greater expectations. And so they wanted Jesus to overturn the Roman Empire, change everything on earth, and that that would be it. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Therefore, the Jewish people didn't see him as the Messiah. They saw him only as a good man and as a prophet. 
But Jesus came to change the conditions of the world, which were, I'm not just going to restore an empire in this moment. I'm going to restore hope to the past, present, and future generations. I'm giving my life for everyone, past, present, and future. Your conditions may not look good right now. Things may look bad for you. I don't have a job. There's one man that's, I've I've been his pastor for over 20 years. Last year, he lost his job in January. And for over a year, he was unemployed. And just last week, he told me this morning at 930, I finally got my dream job. He said, the conditions that I find myself in, are not going to change my faith in Jesus Christ or my confidence that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I believe in miracles. I believe in God for a better job. I believe in God for a better life. I'm going to set the conditions of my life. I'm not going to let circumstances do that. Richard Branson was the founder of Virgin Airlines. Many of you don't know that he could have easily just done something different. He's dyslexic. And yet now he is a gazillionaire. Conditions didn't look good. Conditions didn't look good for Albert Einstein. He didn't speak until he was four years old. And yet he was one of the smartest men to ever live. You see, his mother didn't give up and say, well, this is just how things are. She said, I'm changing the conditions of everything in this world. In my son's world. Bethany Hamilton, at 13 years old, an excellent surfer, falls off her board and a shark takes her arm off. She was back on her board just months later, but two years after the loss of her arm, she won a women's surfing championship because she said, the conditions I find myself in are not going to control my life. You see, sometimes people have bad days, bad months, bad years, and we sit around and we talk about our conditions, how we failed. Do you realize that most millionaires have been bankrupt at one point or another? They didn't just, oh, I kept it all. A good friend of mine is a multimillionaire, and one day, many years ago, he wasn't even quite there yet. I I just remember he probably was a little millionaire then. Now he's a big millionaire. And back in that day, I was a youth pastor. I had his kids in my youth group. He came and got me and took me to lunch. That was one of the perks of being a youth minister. You got free lunch every now and then. And so we were driving down this road, and I asked him. I looked at him, and I said, what if? I said, have you ever thought about waking up one day and you've lost everything? He said, no. He said, I made it once. I'll make it again. You see, what he was saying was the conditions... Don't determine my faith, my skill, or my confidence. Michael Jordan was cut by a basketball team in high school. Can you imagine that, coach? (laughs) Jordan could have said, well, if my coach, he's, he's such an excellent talent scout. If he doesn't think I can make it, I'll probably never make it. Jordan said, no. I'm going to set the conditions and the thermostat of my life. You can tell me how cold I am, but I'm going to show you how hot it can get. You see, some of you have settled. Your parents told you, you you know what, you're never going to make it. Nothing good is probably ever going to happen. It never does in our family. Besides that, you're just not even close to the top of your class. Matter of fact, from where you sit, you can't see the top. 
Your guidance counselor in school told you the conditions for you are not good. You don't have the money to go to college. Nobody in your family's ever gone to school. Nobody's ever made anything of themselves. And you hear that your whole life. And those become the conditions of your soul until you wake up one day and go, you know what? I think I want to set the thermostat for my own life instead of letting somebody else do it. You see, the Jewish people, when they couldn't get Jesus to overturn the Roman Empire, what they wanted to do was make him king without a cross. And Jesus knew that for the conditions of the world to change, that he couldn't just heal in the moment. He had to do something that would allow the power of his spirit that raised him from the dead work for generations to come. He changed the conditions. Some of you just need to tweak how you think. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Tweak how you think. Quit talking every day about the problem and the problems in your life. You say, well, that's denial. No, that's wisdom. The Bible says in the world, you have tribulation, take courage, of overcome the world. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God empowers us to overcome them all. You're not finished. I don't care how old you are. You are not finished. You say the conditions are not favorable. I lost my job during the pandemic. Nobody's hiring. Millions of people are out of work. God's got a plan for all of you. He's got a plan for every one of us. But oftentimes we take off on our own. And we say, God, I got this. Don't ever tell God you got this. Say, God, you got this. You lead me. I'll follow. You say, well, how do I overcome the criticism? What can I do to change the conditions? Well, we follow Jesus again on his road. The conditions of our world did not change without crucifixion. Your conditions and mine will not change without crucifixion. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live surrendered to God. We die every day. So in order for me to change the conditions of my world, to encounter the criticisms of people, and by the way, let me say this to you. When you do die and you go into eternity and you stand before God, you're standing before God. You're not standing before critics. You're not going to be able to use conditions as an excuse because Jesus faced the worst of conditions. We put our trust in Him. And when Paul said... I've been crucified with Christ. What he's saying is, my life is no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. And if I will stop and listen to God, whatever I'm going through is going to change. The great argument for people that don't expect miracles or believe in miracles, they'll always take you to people who died. Well, when I die, it's going to be the best moment in my life. Now, I'm not trying to go right now. But I decided years ago that unless I crucified the fear of death, I would never live. And the thing that disturbs me most is all we're doing on this earth is passing through. This is not our home. I'm a foreigner here, as are you who are believers. Our citizenship is in heaven. I pondered the pandemic last year 
I considered a lot of things because I was flying a lot. And I'd be on airplanes where there'd be ten of us. I felt like I had my own private jet. You say, why would you fly during the pandemic? Here's what I determined. That I wasn't going to allow a disease, a virus, to alter my life. Now, again, I'm not criticizing anybody. Some of you are very vulnerable. You used great wisdom. I, I felt very healthy. Didn't feel like that, that if I got it, it'd kill me. Actually, I kind of wanted to get it because I wanted to see what it felt like. I know you think I'm crazy. But I also want to jump out of a plane to see if the parachute will open. <laughs> you know, they don't all open. And I ended up getting it in December. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a journey. It was one of those things that really was kind of a journey. I lost some friends. I did a funeral for my daughter's father-in-law. I'm not minimizing the impact at all. But I am saying this. The devil would love for COVID-19 to paralyze the body of Christ from now on. And we must not let that happen. I want to speak faith into every one of you. Encourage every one of you. We have been crucified with Christ. We put our faith and confidence in Him. And this is not just a day where we dress up. It's a day where we rise up and accept the power of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. So whatever you're going through, remember this. There will be people who will criticize you for your faith. Even other Christians I've talked to criticize me for believing in miracles today. I said, well, call me when you need prayer because you're going to need one. We're all going to need miracles. I still need miracles. Now, there are, some of them aren't very big, but they're miracles to me. Every day I live a miracle because I should have been dead when I was 20. But I'm alive today. Every day for me is a miracle. Every breath I draw is a miracle. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the miracles He did in the Bible, He does today. And it saddens me that Christians would handcuff God. And I think of Dodie Osteen, and the Osteens have been dear friends of mine for many, many years. I knew Joel before he was Joel. I was just with Joel's brother-in-law just not too long ago. And I love that family. You know why I love them? Because they've never lost their faith. When Dodie was given weeks to live 40 years ago, you're going to die. You have metastatic cancer of the liver. There's no hope for you. John and Dodie said, oh, you don't know our God. Joel told me a story. He said that there was a time when they were young, and every time his daddy would go away to preach, there were five of the kids there, and and, and Dodie would be all alone. And Dodie's all of about 4'11 and about 88 pounds. And every time Brother Osteen would go preach somewhere, one of the kids would get sick or one of them would get injured or have to go to the doctor. Every time. And finally, Brother Osteen came home one time and he kept hearing the story. He said, before I leave, we're going to stop this right now. We're changing the conditions of our family. I'm called to preach the gospel to the nations and and the devil would love for me to stop because mama's home with five little kids and you get sick and hurt. We'll just wait until you grow up. Instead of doing that, Joel says they went out. Brother Osteen called all of them out in the backyard. He lined up first. Dodie put her hands on his shoulders. And then all the kids lined up after. 
And they walked around the backyard praying, this is not going to happen anymore. We're not going to get sick. We're changing the conditions. Joel said from that point on, after that prayer and walking around the yard, he said, man, he said, I just pray that daddy doesn't do this in the front yard. And he went and did it in the front yard. You're going to have critics. You're going to have people laugh at you. People are going to think you're crazy. Brother Osteen said, I believe that God is the same God today as the God who raised Jesus from the dead. And if he touched him, he's going to touch our family. And I'm not going to allow these conditions to dictate my call in life. Some of y'all may need to do a march. Joel said, I was so embarrassed. He said, my friends saw it. I said, I denied it. But he said, I'm not going to let fallen conditions elevate itself above a risen Savior. So whatever you're going through today, remember this. If you have any courage at all and you speak out at all, you will be criticized. Every one of us will face conditions that are unfavorable. And the only way to overcome those is to say, God, I've been crucified with Christ. Whatever you've called me to do, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. When you're dead to yourself, he's alive in you. And he's free to work in you. Anybody who just goes to church so that they can say someday to Jesus when they're standing at the gate, I go to church, that's not going to work really well. Though I think church helps us, it feeds us, faith comes by hearing. But the reality is you can set the conditions of your home, the thermostat of your life. Don't let anybody else do that. Somebody told you you're dumb, you'll never amount to anything. You don't have the size, you don't have the looks, you don't have whatever. Don't let those conditions water down your faith. Say, I've been crucified with Christ and the spirit that raised him from the dead is getting ready to raise me up. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You're an awesome God, incredible Savior. And we're so grateful today. We celebrate you, Jesus. I pray over every family in this building, everyone watching online. Change the conditions. It's your choice. You get to determine. The Bible says he's able to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in us. Allow his power to work in you and through you. Don't be discouraged. Don't stay depressed. Don't stay downcast. God has great things ahead for you. Look to him. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me, heads bowed, eyes closed. We do this every Sunday. We don't want anyone to leave without an opportunity to receive Christ. We don't want you to tune out without receiving Christ or recommitting your life to Him. You say, things are not good right now. Guess what? The power that raised Him from the dead is going to be resident in you. And God is going to shift those conditions as you put your faith in Him and walk that faith out. So pray this prayer with me, all of you. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your only Son. To suffer and die for my sins. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer today, those of you watching online or even sitting in here, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Just go to your, your text, your messages, and put in there, just put in 405-500-1310 and then put, in the text section, saved. We'll get that. We'll rejoice with you.
Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.